0: Hi, this is Buzz Burbank. I never listened to Let's Talk About Treks, but if I was going to listen to a show about Treks, it would be this one. Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's Visions of the Future, featuring Earl Gray and Jack Torino.
1: Welcome everybody. Hello there. My name is Earl Grey.
0: My name is Jack Dorino.
1: And we are Let's Talk About Treks.
0: That's the name of the place where we talk about all manners of Star Trek for the week.
1: This episode we'll be uh-huh. reviewing okay. Star Trek Lower Decks, uh-huh. on episode nine, The Inner Fight.
0: What did you think of when you saw this title?
1: The Inner Light.
0: Thank you, that's what I thought of as well. And I was like, oh, someone's gonna live a whole life in this episode.
1: Well, I mean, she kind of did, or lived vicariously or helped her friend live vicariously, or posthumously, or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Tell t- what? Tell us more about this episode.
1: This episode was released on the twenty sixth of October, twenty twenty three. Okay. It is the thirty ninth of all thirty nine episodes of Lower Decks. Hmm. It is nine hundred and seventh out of all of Star Trek.
0: Lucky nine oh seven.
1: Neno <laughs> Neno no,
0: This episode was written by Mike McMahon mm-hmm. and it was directed by Brendan Williams Are you
1: sure that's not Will Iams?
0: Oh it could be Will I M.'s. yes that is correct <laughs> If either of the those pronunciations are incorrect I, I implore either of these individuals <laughs> to come on Let's Talk About Checks and make sure that we have the correct pronunciation of your name <laughs> Thank you <laughs>
1: The inner fight takes place on an unknown star date in the year 2381. Captain Freeman assigns the lower deckers an overly safe mission to try and keep a self-destructive Mariner out of danger.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so continuing with the Voyager references, this is the episode where Mariner cosplays extreme risk.
1: <laughs> or this is this is Saving Private Ryan in space what because they have to find exactly one officer and save him from
0: oh okay him. it's hmm
1: of course I'm calling him an officer and they admit right away that it was drummed out of the academy
0: also Star Wars don't they and they're like a whole thing about they have to go find this one guy I mean not to mention the fact that it makes me think of that because of all the it planet people yes right like that was is- okay.
1: Yeah, there's totally a Star Wars like parallel to the planet and the shuttle that brings them down and everything Star
0: Wars planet, you know, I think I've decided that the both the stinger and like the trailer that Paramount forces you to Well, it doesn't really force you to watch it if you have the ad free But at least it like cues it up and starts playing it So like the stinger and that and the CBS logo like all that is meant to give buffer time So that your (laughs) video isn't quite so crunchy when the yeah. episode actually starts because it, it, yeah. it generally starts out for me pretty crunchy and then it smooths out you know the further the more you're watching
1: mine seems to do the same thing maybe i will let the trailer play yeah. off.
0: yeah i think that maybe that's that might be something they've intentionally built in okay so tell us how this episode starts out
1: i don't remember the name of the planet
0: oh this was percy off nine
1: okay they are doing some repairs to an outpost and the outpost personnel are talking about how they love how they get to study this one specific non-humanoid alien
0: yeah these these venomous tremble lizards right
1: (laughs) yes exactly
0: their blood is acid and their skin is covered in a neurotoxin they look like little birds don't they
1: (laughs) they do look like little birds yeah as a matter of fact the um one little scorpion thing that the first one Attacks at the beginning of very beginning of the episode.
0: Yeah, he like scoops it up and eats it. That's like a new yeah. running trope in sci-fi stuff. Is that you start out with the scene where it's a close-up <laughs> of like the wildlife, the crazy wildlife. One wildlife eats another wildlife, and then the story starts.
1: Yeah, it looks a lot like a uh, creature that we see in uh, Futurama, where there's a uh, changeling on board, and uh, they're kind of doing a trust seminar for the whole crew.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't put that past being exactly correct. There's so much referencing throwing like through this entire episode. It's ridiculous. It's like it's a it's it's I mean, it's a good episode, but it's also like it's a patchwork quilt made of a whole Mm -hmm. bunch of other stuff, like a whole bunch of other stuff all put together into this this final design.
1: Their acid or venom protection suits are reminiscent of the uh, environmental suits in the original series.
0: Yeah, the Tholian web ones. Yeah, there's something notable about this episode and the previous episode of Lower Dex is that there's been no star date listed. Yes, the last time that we had a star date listed was a few badgies more, mm-hmm. wh- which was five eight nine three four point nine, mm. so twenty three eighty one and we're definitely following off the the events of that, so we're somewhere around five nine nine since we're towards the end of the year, right?
1: Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah,
0: we're about to flip over to twenty three. 82, there's another thing that happened mm. <laughs> was that So I was noticing all these connections and that there's another episode that this relates to, which was Extreme Risk, which I mentioned a moment ago, and that episode also didn't have a Star Day. That's from Voyager's fifth season, by the way, mm. episode seven, which was 96th of Voyager, 534th of all of Star Trek. That was 2375, mm-hmm. so just a few years before this was a similar thing happening out in the Delta Quadrant
1: mm, okay
0: I had a lot of strong feelings about Cetojaxa when the whole Cetojaxa arc happened
1: <laughs> okay
0: I was very curious and interested but about her when they did the first duty mm-hmm. that was the one when the covert starburst had happened and Wesley had to go and cop to what actually happened Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, that's season five, episode 19 in Star Trek, The Next Generation. That's 2368. Mm -hmm. So about 12 years ago, at that time, 2368, Mariner Mm -hmm. was in the Academy. Okay. Because she mentions that Cedo was someone that she looked up to as a friend and Cito graduated before her. So presumably Mariner's in the Academy right there during the episode, The First Duty.
1: Oh, okay.
0: And also Nick Lacarno is too, because Nick Lacarno was the leader of Red Squad, which was the group they got in trouble for doing the Culvered Starburst.
1: Yes, which Wesley was a part of. And that Nick Lacarno was supposed to be the, he was the inspiration for Tom Paris, yes.
0: With, ever since we saw the first Tom Paris plate, mm-hmm. I've been thinking, okay, so they're probably bringing Robert Duncan McNeil back at some point. I assume they were going to mm-hmm. bring Tom Paris, of course, but I do like the way that they brought Robert Duncan McNeil back mm-hmm. without it being what you would expect. Yeah. And I also like continuing that storyline of Nick Lacarno as a separate character from Tom Paris. My head Canon mm-hmm. had been that he had changed his name at some point for some reason <laughs> and then changed it back because obviously his his uh-huh. father's last name is Paris.
1: Yeah, and he didn't want to be a kind of like mariner. Is I mean,
0: yeah, that's what I was thinking for the academy. He like he went into the academy under a different name so that he wouldn't get special treatment because of who his father was. Yeah. And then when he washed out, he went back to his regular name. But this episode changes that headcanon for me. Back they are now two two separate characters again.
1: Yeah okay cool i'm glad that they fixed well the other thing that they did is they picked up a thread from tng and they they finished a thread that we didn't know what we wanted to do like the season three of star trek picard it was kind of a perfect thread for lower decks to pick up because it kind of wouldn't have fit into season three of Picard.
0: so well a further reason that this was a perfect place for Lower Decks to pick up this story is mm-hmm. because Cedo Jaxa's second episode on Star Trek The Next Generation was season seven episode 15 mm-hmm. one called Lower Decks
1: oh right okay yeah, yeah. interesting
0: so it, another interesting thing is that the original Cedo Jaxa concept came from the episode The First Duty mm-hmm. which was written by Ron Moore who went on to create a Battlestar Galactica but the second Cedo Jaxa episode when they actually brought her onto the ship mm-hmm that was a it's weird how the credits worked back then so they had the teleplay was by renee echevarria from a story by um ron wilkinson and jean matthias Mm -hmm. the director was gabriel boma and another thing about that episode is that there were five acts and a teaser for that episode like it was it seems like it was very complicated and it was very complicated because i remember it being about that little crew Right, uh-huh. it was basically like yeah. another four-person team, like the lower decks crew in this, you know, series, uh-huh. and then uh, Ben, the bartender, who's basically just like causing all kinds of mayhem by going between the senior officers and the lower deckers, uh-huh. and there was also the whole thread about Sido and rescuing the Cardassian who was stranded in space. Yeah. So there was there was a lot to that episode and they really mm-hmm. like made you feel for Cito Jaxa, especially having seen her previously and then seeing her now grow and get a chance and have to fight for her chance. She was sort of like a very, like they treated, they tended to treat Bajorans like sort of all the same.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like you really have to prove
0: yourself, I guess, because, uh-huh. you know, the the stuff that was going on with, with Maquis was not only fresh, it was prescient, like it was happening right now. So it was like, yeah. Do we forgive that? Do we forgive, like you know, if say something happens in the world and people are blaming it on people from a certain part of the country? Do we forgive people being people displaying some, not, I wouldn't say intolerance, but some distolerance mm-hmm. based on who they are and where they come from? If that's all we all we know of where they come from,
1: I, I think I follow what you're saying. I don't want to dip into that more because I'm afraid I'll just stick my foot in the grave.
0: It seems like Picard did that. Actually, um, uh, yeah, I was really at the end of Lower Decks. So the in brief, the story of Lower Decks mm-hmm. uh, for C- as far as Cedo is concerned, is that she has this interaction with Picard where he's like, ah, I remember you, you screwed up down to the academy. I don't know how the fuck you got on my ship. And she's like, oh, <laughs> and then he's like, Hey, but uh, listen, uh, he calls her back later. He's like, listen, um, there's this mission that like you could do that you would be really good for. And I think your background is really good. And you know what? Now I do remember that I actually asked them to put you on this ship. So like you and I are like really cool. Like I really like support you and stuff. <laughs> uh-huh. And then she was like, okay, Okay, I'll do the mission for you. (laughs) He basically, like, emotionally abused her into going on this mission Uh with this Cardassian. So you're basically just taking this... Sheltered Bajoran, giving him to a Cardassian mm-hmm. alone in space. Yeah. And then, like, they intercept word over the Cardassian, like, comlink that a mm-hmm. Cardassian's uh, prisoner has escaped and was killed in the process of escaping. Uh-huh. So it's like, Picard, what? <laughs> like, I was really <laughs> upset with Picard. And yet, just like they said in this episode, just like Mariner said, like, it destroyed me. I was so, I wanted to yeah. stop watching Star Trek The Next Generation. I was like, what is, what's <laughs> happening? Why, what, what, why would you do this? like yeah it was really wild i had a very strong well, reaction to that episode
1: yeah it, it was and i it seemed like as a kid that there was so much in that episode that it seemed like there was enough in things for because she was only in two episodes right yeah. yeah there was enough things that they wanted to do with her mm-hmm. that she could have been at least in three or four maybe five episodes yeah and kind of like with Aaron, uh, they wrapped yeah. up more with her, too.
0: I read one line where it said that they had an idea to continue Cito Jaxa for a while, but someone that uh-huh. felt like it would give more meaning to the episode if they killed her off, which mm-hmm. was kind of lame. So if you think about it, not very hard even, Cito Jaxa is... The Rolaren of lower decks.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Like cool. Rolaren is the upper deckers, is Rolaren, and then Cedojaxa uh, is the lower Decks is Rolaren. Uh, so, okay. Picard season three, lower deck season four. <laughs> I get it.
1: You know, I wonder if sometimes the writers forget that Bajorans' surnames are first, and their given name is second. Because she's always referring to her as ceto but then I'll, I'll, obviously they could mm. also just be writing it that she's being respectful.
0: Yeah, you know? I think it's, she, she tends to call people by their last name, I think. She doesn't mention yeah. Sam or um, Bradward Yeah, or Devana. You're right. One of the things I, that just
1: occurred to me while, while you were talking about people changing their names and stuff, yeah, I've, I've been wondering why Mariner isn't a Freeman, but I thought, well, I wonder if Mariner was born before... Captain Mariner and Admiral Freeman got married or something.
0: Oh, I thought the Admiral had a different name.
1: No, it was... uh, The Admiral's name is Freeman.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I wonder if that's uh, Carol's maiden name. Huh, good point. Mariner never thought about that so we have this whole we have this whole meeting about mariner and ransom mentioned mm-hmm. that she jumped out of a shuttle after apparently <laughs> some debris thinking that it was a, a borg or something a
1: singular Borg. yep um
0: which is where we get the mission and they the basically the the whole task group's mission is to, is to find these four people who huh. are seven beverly riker and nick Lacarno
1: yeah Thomas Riker and Nick Lacarno.
0: Yes. What is the thread? What's the commonality between all of them?
1: They are the outlying officer from Starfleet. They're not your typical Starfleet officer.
0: I don't think any of them are in Starfleet at this time.
1: Well, we don't know what Beverly's doing in this time. We do know what, is
0: what is Beverly's doing. Beverly's running and hiding with Jack. When was he conceived? Was it now? It's
1: probably around now, yeah.
0: Hmm.
1: So she could be hanging out with... Picard somewhere.
0: Or she could have Jacket as an infant, also.
1: True, yeah.
0: We should have done the math ahead of time.
1: (laughs) She could have been shacking up with Picard.
0: Yeah, I don't think they did that, though. I don't get that. I didn't get that (laughs) sense. I got the sense that they met sometimes, and maybe had, like, at most a week together, and Mm. were working, etc. Oh, okay. If you were to meet Beverly Crusher, which which like at what time would you like to meet Beverly Crusher like mm-hmm. around what time like beginning Next Generation uh, Stargazer time Academy time run of Next Generation or end of Next Generation time or Picard time or in the middle with Jack
1: you know I mean I don't know a whole lot about her from the Stargazer it might be interesting to get to know Jack, but to know Beverly during that time, it would certainly be an interesting hole to fill in.
0: I agree. I think it would be interesting to be around the three of them during that time mm-hmm. to know what happened on the Stargazer. That's that <laughs> sounds like a great backdoor pilot you're making up right there. That actually yeah. sounds very interesting <laughs> because that's like a whole built-in subplot like three-way romantic drama. And I think there's a there's a pregnancy involved in there somewhere.
1: Well, yeah, I mean... Like,
0: right at the climax. Yeah, I mean... Oh, and then how long do they have to continue without... Oh, yeah, that's an interest. It's a whole interesting story. Oh?
1: Continue with what? Finish your sentence.
0: After the destruction of the Stargazer... Yeah. Beverly's has to go live somewhere. Picard has to go live somewhere. Picard has to come and bring jack's body to her they go to the funeral and then what happens like do they stay in touch do they go off at different things like mm-hmm. what yeah what happens in the intervening years before they get to the enterprise which is only about i want to say so i have issues with wesley crusher's age i feel like it should only be about 10 years after the stargazer hmm. but wesley was about 14 i think when the mm-hmm. series started although what they were Definitely writing him as a ten-year-old. By the way,
1: <laughs> I thought everything that happened between Beverly, Jack, and Picard was on the Stargazer. I didn't That's realize what I'm talking that.
0: Of... Yeah, absolutely. Well, I didn't
1: realize that Jack died not on the Stargazer.
0: Yes, Jack died on the Stargazer. Oh, okay. And then were... what happened was my question. Then what oh,
1: happens? Okay. I mean, certainly at some point, what was Jack alive by the time Wesley was born?
0: You would think, uh, was she pregnant when the stargazer went down? If so, that means she definitely lived aboard the stargazer. Yeah. Are we assuming, was she medical aboard the stargazer as well?
1: She never has talked about it. I know, right? But uh, she could have been, yeah. Unless she got pregnant before he got assigned, and then he got assigned like a few weeks later, and she was back home on Earth with the pregnancy, you know, and born sometime during his current uh assignment
0: yeah i'm gonna need the mini series so the <laughs> mini series <laughs> has to start you know with obviously everything's just fine you know the beginning yeah. of discovery type you know we're just doing a regular yeah. mission right and um, then we have to get to the, the battle of maxia zeta right <laughs> with the Fernie yeah. ship And then we have to have some intervening time where we can see what's going on with all the romantic stuff and understand the intricacies of their relationship and get to meet, Mm -hmm. you know, the other people from the Michael Jan Friedman novels, you know, the Picard novels. (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, we do the Stargazer's destruction or whatever Mm -hmm. happened. Yeah. Was the Stargazer lost during the Battle of Maxia Zeta?
1: Well, it wasn't lost because that's why the Ferengi had it to turn back over to Picard.
0: So the Battle of Maxia Zeta has to have been where we lost Jack, right?
1: Possibly, yeah.
0: Somehow that doesn't seem right, but okay.
1: <laughs> Either that or sometime before that. Hmm. Oh, because Picard still had hair
0: yeah so again I, w- I would like to see the series stargazer i realized that we would have to recast everyone we would have to recast everybody yeah. we have, have to recast picard yeah that would have to happen or we could have jack playing picard
1: or we can animate it
0: i don't want to do that okay i'd rather see it see it okay but that's just me
1: <laughs> you don't want to de-age them and and ai animate them or anything gross
0: no <laughs> So the the warp core four go on the the easiest mission that Tindy can come up with, which is go yeah. and check out this space buoy, which is situated over a planet that's just full of storms.
1: Well, and I like how I mean Tindy comes up with the best thing and the perfect thing and it's nobody ever argues or says anything and you know, Captain Freeman's like, Yeah, that's perfect, send her on
0: that. Yeah.
1: Nobody has to come up with any second thoughts or anything like that. It's nope, just, nothing at all. We're, we're right there
0: yeah nothing like oh you know but like maybe someplace a little less dangerous you know if there's a solar <laughs> storm like they yeah. mentioned when she when they get there you know the space uh, some space debris or some sol what solar flares yeah what's the purpose of this buoy because buoys are generally like on the water to mark an area right so that you know this is where you are that what yeah that is?
1: i don't know how it works from a mariner perspective no pun intended
0: yes thank you
2: <laughs>
0: wonderful rim shot
1: but um
0: oh you really cracked yourself up on that one that's
1: i didn't do that on purpose okay i'm like oh god am i gonna go there oh yeah i guess i am no. Mariner,
0: <laughs> you're racy you're working blue today <laughs>
1: okay. but yeah that's my understanding is they mark turbulent water or rocks or Whatever,
0: yeah, you think once you pull up on the planet close enough to get to the buoy, you can see the planet's pretty pretty stormy <laughs> yeah thing
1: i it was my understanding the way she described it as as like a weather buoy. I thought it was there to help control the weather and I thought it, that's why they needed to repair it was to get the weather back under control
0: oh oh interesting. I wonder if that's what that kind of makes sense i I like that idea because it seemed once they got down there that it was pretty clear yeah uh yeah which was which was strange another strange thing was that there was a Klingon ship up there hiding out um I yeah. thought I, I thought that the silver ship would have been operating by itself. I didn't expect for them to have someone in, in cahoots with them but it did seem that the, that was the implication towards the beginning of this episode that this Klingon bird of prey was in cahoots with the silver ship
1: maybe they only started to be in cahoots after they got captured because I think they were one of the first ones to get captured by the silver ship.
0: Well, yeah i think that it was a setup if uh, if we i think if you go back previously in the season that was likely one of the first things that happened was oh, okay. what ha- was the thing that happened with the klingon ship and it was uh someone had basically sold them out
1: Mm-mm. okay what do you mean by sold them out
0: like someone had set up the interaction between the Kaleon Bird of Prey and the Silver Ship in order to get command of the bird of prey. And that was oh, the bird of okay. prey in this episode.
1: That's why Ma'a yes. was saying that they mutinied right. and they had taken over because the the guy that mutinied was in cahoots with the Silver Ship.
0: This is correct. This is what I'm saying. Yes.
1: Oh, okay. So it was more more or less Prior to the the events of the this season, then
0: what the setup the the, the, ori- yeah, the, the initial setup, setup between the between yeah. The, yeah yes that would have been oh, okay. yes it would have been before the, the season yes
1: okay so then maybe the first quote kidnapping or destruction was the a ruse ship.
0: oh yeah well yes absolutely to get the bird of prey that the Klingon could command yeah on behalf of the silver ship.
1: And then to start off the mystery, but also to kind of red herring and distract people away from them as the adversaries.
0: Sure. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No one's looking for a ship that's been destroyed, as we yeah. learn for the rest of the season. So. Yeah. There we are.
1: Okay. Interesting.
0: All right, so this new this new Ashton that the cerritos goes to it's definitely like an imperial star wars station right this is like a star wars planet there's even like a whole bounty hunter thing but the mm-hmm. the speech is like the breen which is also i mean they're also dressed like bounty hunters as well to be fair yeah i mean
1: i like the little skeletor head i'm like that's kind of weird i also noticed that the uniforms of these people on on new new Axton are are very imperial like uniforms too
0: yeah was it like the black with the triangle sort of hats yeah yeah yep, exactly the, the console also seemed very much that way either that or like a doctor who TARDIS console one of the two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Oh, the one behind him yeah okay
0: the, you know I really like the way that they do a lot of the things in this show the way they render the ships is awesome like it looks as good as like a strange new worlds quality only like it's i don't know it's just a perfect animation i also like the way that they do the alien characters like everything Mm -hmm. just seems so much so well integrated into the character Mm -hmm. you know like sometimes on uh strange new worlds when they do a random klingon ambassador who used to be a butcher Mm -hmm. and maybe committed some war crimes where it looks like you just have like a hat on his head Mm -hmm. like you can't do that with animation like it just looks like (laughs) all one creature i really appreciate it yeah i like the way they do yeah they do things here on the lower decks
1: you don't have to blend prosthetics and and makeup together to make it all look like seamless yeah there's no no way to do that yeah and animation is nice because you can do more easily with less expense some of the weirder aliens like the aliens that w- just waltz right into the bar right yeah. after
0: oh yeah the triaxian there was a triaxian bounty hunter yeah that went into the bar yep the the puppet the <laughs> one from um
1: uh the cobra knight maneuver.
0: yeah the one from the cobra maneuver which is the second episode of the original series yeah that's a that's a so that's a reference to a an episode of Star Trek from the tenth of November in nineteen sixty six. It's the tenth mm-hmm. episode of all Star Trek, written mm-hmm. by Jerry Sol and directed by Jeff Sargent. Uh-huh. That was on Star Trek fifteen twelve point two, in the year twenty two sixty six, and that was the episode. That was the first time. That was the first time that Clint Howard was on Star Trek. Do you remember the most recent time Clint Howard was always on Star Trek?
1: It's on the tip of my tongue. Why don't you refresh my memory? It
0: was in Strange New Worlds.
1: Yeah.
0: He was in the... Uh, is it called the Dogs of War? What's it called? It's the one with Ambassador Mokbarat. That's not his name.
1: Oh, the the, the Klingon that...
0: Yes, the Klingon Apparently... came aboard and Mbinga killed him. Yeah. And then before that, there was... He was the Anandorian on a planet that they went to in Discovery. Was it Kronos? No, it was... Yeah, it was Kronos. It was Kronos. He gave Tilly some some weird drugs and she passed out.
1: Oh, okay. So th- he did the voice of the puppet?
0: No, he was a little kid.
1: He was a little... Oh, that's... Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
0: he was a little kid who was in the episode. You know, he's Ron Howard's, uh, I think, older brother, maybe? Oh, okay. He's been in Star Trek since 1966, and here it is 2023, <laughs> and he's mm-hmm. still uh, in Star Trek. Cool. Or at least referenced in Star Trek.
1: Yeah. I can't wait until he gets to celebrate in 2026 the 60th anniversary of, of, of him being on the show.
0: Which will be the 60th anniversary of the show.
1: Oh, True. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> right. so we've decided that we can survive on this planet there's a romulan and a ferengi the strangest combinations that i <laughs> have never expected to see uh and haven't seen since like the chase uh, mm-hmm. i really enjoy episodes where we put a whole bunch of different aliens together and i'm glad that <laughs> Lor Dex has worked his way to getting there without it being too contrived to where, like, they are all involved in the plot in some way. We've had them in the background, like, in every episode, obviously, like, all over the place. But to have, like, the actual involvement of the different factions all together is really compelling for me.
1: Well, and I think it's interesting that even without Starfleet, the Romulans and the Ferengi have figured out, oh, we need to work together if we're to survive at all. Yeah. Now, maybe there might have been... For the Ferengi, there might have been some financial gain, and who knows whether it was the Ferengi or the Romulans that came up with the idea of working together first, or maybe it was mutual. But it's kind of still frustrating that the Romulans and the Klingons apparently still weren't willing to work together. But
0: well, it may have just been that they were culture clashing, you know, because yeah. the the Klingon was mostly concerned about his territory. Oh, okay. We haven't seen a Cardassian since Deep Space Nine. We haven't. No, we have not. Okay. We've seen the Federation president who's part Cardassian, but we have not seen a full Cardassian on screen since Deep Space Nine. So, welcome back, Cardassians. <laughs> Yay. To the fold.
1: Yeah, I was trying to remember if we ever saw any of them get abducted in this season. And I guess that's something that just happened off screen then, huh?
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay. I also like the fact that uh, Tolin and Mariner Friendly put together the incident that landed Tolin here. That they were both there when it happened—the the battle with the packlets.
1: Oh right, yeah, I remember what you're
0: talking about. Which was when Talin saved, basically saved her ship, and then they were like, "Oh my god, you reacted so emotionally, you're crazy," and they sent her away. <laughs> and that's how uh-huh. she ended up on the cerritos mm. and mariner was talking about that battle and to was like oh yeah i was there too so this is a <laughs> little shared memory they have that they didn't know they had it's pretty cool
1: neat. yeah that kind of brings them closer together
0: yeah that that does that just before mariner meets uh, what's his name nah nah nah
1: ma ma you know the subtitle spelled it m a apostrophe a h And when he pronounced it, it was spelled M apostrophe (laughs) A-A-H.
0: So either Ma or Ma. (laughs) How do you feel about a glass knife rain? Like, how does that happen? Is it like the sand gets whipped up by a hurricane and then like... Twisted in a tornado and pushed together and melted into glass and then falls out of the clouds. Is that it
1: gets struck by lightning and
0: Infuses
1: <laughs> Yeah, and fuses there's a big fancy science word that uh, The ancient alien people like to use all the time Vitrification when the uh, sand gets vitrified into glass, you know, it's interesting. I wonder if Maybe somehow the glass is formed up in the atmosphere somehow
0: yeah i mean it would have to be to be raining from the sky yeah perhaps it's as you mentioned vitrification mm-hmm. with the, which is the lightning apparently blasting some sand into lightning into yeah. glass rather yeah
1: makes me wonder then if it can be a class m planet because i mean usually planets that rain weird things like jupiter supposedly rain has a uh, diamond rain or maybe it's neptune or something it, they have Diamond rain, but it's like that's not habitable planet for humanoids. So how is this an M class planet, and it has like glass
0: rain? But... Yeah, that's a, well. I don't know that they said that it was an M class. Did they say it was an M class planet? I mean, they're walking around like it's an M class planet. I'll tell you that much. That make that leads me further to think that maybe the buoy should have been some sort of device that helps create a field where there can mm-hmm. be an M class area underneath the storms mm-hmm. or something
1: mm-hmm yeah. I mean you're right they never did say that it was an M class planet but I'm pretty sure the only other planet that we were we can barely survive on is an L class planet
0: okay uh, going back to Mariner's career it's been kind of long because there's a mention of her time in the Dominion War hmm right so she's been in Starfleet for about 10 to 12 years Yes. at this point and just got lieutenant junior grade so I would imagine she's ten to twelve years older than the rest of the lower decks people as well, yeah? Like they're in their twenties and she's in their her thirties.
1: Perhaps. Yeah. I mean, she's mentioned before that this isn't the first time that she's been promoted and she's, it's kind of like the second or third time that she's been promoted to Lieutenant junior grade. Yeah. I'm, then, I
0: imagine it has to have been because if you, if you take like, well, yeah, like second or third time. Yeah. Cause if you take like four years to get through ensign to LTJG, then sure.
1: Is there a minimum amount of time that somebody can be the same rank?
0: A minimum? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think for instance, generally four years. Okay. There, there is a, you have to do a time in rank. Yeah. You have to be a certain, you have to be that rank for a certain amount of time before you can go up without extreme extenuating circumstances like a war or something like that.
1: Yeah. So where you're promoted in field because there is nobody else. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I like how uh, Ma'a, uh, as a Klingon, is the one to sort of bring Mariner back together mm-hmm. and like untie the SETO knot some. Yeah, because if you'll recall, in that episode, uh, lower decks, mm-hmm. uh, there was the whole bara session with Worf, mm-hmm. and Worf kind of served as Sito's, uh, you know, uh, sounding oh, right. board, yeah, and ha- kind of helped get her together. So mm-hmm. it's a neat parallel that Maah would be the one to then get Mariner together mm-hmm. around the same ideas that Sito was operating on.
1: Yeah. Well, the other thing I appreciated about Ma'at was the fact that once they're holed up in, in the gourd, giant gourd or whatever it is, mm-hmm. they he's like, no, there's not enough room for this battle. I'm not going to fight you in, in here. We may as well just take shelter and wait for the rain. And he understands that the battleground being deadly for both of them, they may as well just both run and find shelter, you know it doesn't make any sense to try and continue their battle in this little gourd thing.
0: Yeah. Or outside getting sliced up. Mm -hmm. I I also like that she completely derailed the fight with a hug and then was like, Nope, Mm -hmm. we're, we're a team now. (laughs) And, and they're this, they team up to work together against a common foe that they don't really know yet. Mm -hmm. And I think that, Mariner and Ma'a get the Kitamura Awards trophy for this episode <laughs> because they are doing this super uh, short exemplification of exactly the purpose of the Kitamura Accords. Mm-hmm. Is Federation yes. and Klingon not really saying that we are together as one, but mm-hmm. we are fighting together facing a common foe.
1: Yeah. And that's the best way to get Klingons on your side is as long as you're facing a common foe, we're there for you. Yeah. When we arrive at Muds. Yes, we arrive at Muds.
0: Is it a bar? It's like a bar and lounge, yeah. not a casino, clearly. It's, yeah. it's very plain. <laughs> Presumably this is named after or for or with Harry Mudd. Mm-hmm. I would I would imagine.
1: Yeah, I mean that's where I went was was Harry Mudd. He probably owns this establishment. Yeah. Or maybe somebody he's related to owns it. Yeah. I mean, he can't be the only person named Mudd
0: one would hope not <laughs> yeah. well one might hope so actually
1: may yeah maybe yeah. I mean
0: it, c- it could just be legendary name like longjong <laughs> silvers you know what i mean
1: <laughs> oh okay so maybe maybe it's a uh, a string of bars kind of like uh they made the fictional cheers into a real bar chain
0: yeah there's a muds on every planet oh this, okay. this is just one of the franchisees hmm
1: yeah we certainly don't see any human Humans around that would be running it.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a franchise. Like I said. Yeah. Yeah. So it is about that time. So why don't we? <laughs> why don't we dip in, dip a toe into a uh, two minutes of Trek. Okay. And uh, and then we'll probably talk about a very interesting cocktail
2: this okay. week. Okay. And uh,
0: and then we'll be right back.
1: All right, we'll be right back.
0: Right. Hi. I'm Jack from Two Minute Trek. I watch Trek with my dad and then we review it in two minutes. So, if you'd like your podcast to be shorter than a trip on a turbo lift, search up Two Minute Trek wherever you listen to. Let's talk about Treks. Rustling
1: papers, rustling papers.
0: Another week, another cocktail. Welcome back, Gallifrey, to Let's Talk About Tracks. Hello. So, I want to tell you about the cocktail that the Scorch 1701 originally posted. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is Lieutenant, uh, well, Provisional Lieutenant Tolens, Tisansa to at Tonic. You see the ingredients? Yes. Why don't you tell us these ingredients? Two ounces of ice, melted,
2: six ounces of water, one whole lemon, yeah. straw. Mm-hmm. optional. Mm-hmm. Place ice in a tumbler. Combine with water. Allow it to come to room temperature. Place lemon in a tumbler.
0: Consume beverage. Yes. So, that was the cocktail that I thought that we were going to do today. Oh, a healthy because, a healthy drink. Yeah. Hydrates you. Yeah, know, hydrates have, you. yeah it's, it's, it's a Vulcan cocktail. Okay. So, uh, I, that's what I thought we were going to do. Okay. So, I waited until the last minute. And then I realized, oh, as I was pulling up this uh, recipe... I found that the scorch had provided a new recipe. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go over here and shake. Why don't you tell the people what the ingredients of this cocktail are? Alright, we got three and a half cucumber
2: cucumber slices, two point seventy five sage leaves, plus more for garnish, one point zero zero two nine ounces simple syrup, one point five zero two one ounces of mango vodka. ounce premium, triple sec, one dash of peach bitters.
0: Which is, of course, part of the ingredients. Why don't we go through that really quickly?
2: All right, directions are, first you're going to, in a cocktail shaker, muddle cucumber, simple syrup, and sage. We're going to add, add mango, vodka, triple sack, and bitters. Fill a shaker with ice and shake for 29.7986 seconds. Finally, strain into a chilled cocktail glass. Garnish with a sprinkled seeds leaf.
0: So it's interesting how the ingredients were still very Vulcan, right? I may have shaken for too long. I think oh. I shook for 30 seconds. Ah. Uh, so, uh, so sorry about that. Mm-hmm. That I didn't hit well, the quite right. 29.796 seconds.
2: Well, this just shot of 30 seconds, so... No. Yes. <laughs> it's imprecise. No.
0: Oh, gotcha, gotcha, Okay, shall we? We shall. So, who knows, I did the garnishing with the cocktail. Still, I mean, with the... Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, I don't mean to interrupt the show but Everybody the dog just farted <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> While we were trying to record it I can't get that. Oh my god I oh
2: know right He did it just a few ago I don't <laughs> who the fuck you been eating huh?
1: Right.
2: <laughs> you think? Oh It's very oh. sweet
0: yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's very sweet. I, I like it. It's very uh-huh. green. Yeah. It's almost yeah. Like, like you diluted the naked with vodka. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, very much that. Yeah, There's not yeah. really
0: much of an alcohol flavor here. Mm-mm. This is a dangerous drink.
2: Mm hmm. It's really good. You're I really like it.
0: How much alcohol is in this
2: drink? <laughs> <How good it laughs> oh, so take your time. Just one of them creepers. Yeah. Actually, so you wouldn't be shocked because you just
0: read the ingredients hmm?
2: But yeah, if you can Boy, that's pretty good Yes, It is pretty good Yeah Yeah And this is the last cocktail?
0: Uh, we I believe there's one more left okay.
2: One more, okay
0: one more episode of Lower Decks left Wow, this is really good
2: It is very delicious Very delicious Oh
0: boy Oh boy, I'm gonna have to make another
2: all the flavors blend in there that yeah, like nicely together you could taste the cucumber and yeah i mean i like it yeah yeah, yeah it's i light. give this a 9.5 out of 10.
0: i i think so i think you should give
2: it a 9. 5, 6, 8, 7, 8. Mm. <laughs> yeah give
0: it a 9.57986 mm-hmm. um wow what's your setting for this cocktail like anytime anywhere mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: yeah, 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 yeah yeah. This is definitely one of, one of the one of the top cocktails It's I, up there, too I
0: feel like if you have a boutique hotel, hotel I feel like if you have a boutique hotel You should greet me with
2: one of these Yeah, yeah, most definitely Most definitely This is one of the cocktails that you get That you give them when you go and check in Your room not ready yet Or you get there early And, you know, they hold you up But they're like, hey, have one of these co- Have one of these cucumber cocktails While you wait for your room
0: or, yeah, this is what they give you when you go when you enter the spa. Mm. For like your massage and all that stuff.
2: Most definitely, yeah. This is definitely a spa, a, a spa cocktail. Yeah.
0: Oh, but I have one question for you. <laughs> yeah. I have to do this first. Computer. Define austere. The adjective austere is usually defined as a severe in manner or
2: appearance, uncompromising, strict, forbidden more, Ask
0: me to give you more definitions for austere. Would you call this cocktail austere, but is it austere?
2: Mm. Austere, pastere. I mean, I mean you, know.
0: you know. The ingredients, I guess, are, are, are technically austere from the severity of the strictness. Mm. The cocktail, this cocktail is, 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 is really
2: good. It is. It's really good. Yeah, I agree.
0: Not that
2: the rest of them are not. I'm curious as to what the last one's going to be like because you know, this one is, yeah. the last one will have to outdo this one. I may have a sleeper before you will have a sleeper. This is this one of them ones that, you know, you didn't expect it to taste as good as it tastes. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, they come around and tell you it's a sleeper. You know, son, it It is definitely a sleeper yeah. Uh, You know? yeah. Uh,
0: yes, and as you've just shown us You get to eat a cucumber Yeah,
2: yeah So so you, you, you're you you're, you're getting healthy and lit at the same time You know what I'm saying You're getting a healthy lit Yeah, let's go You know More for you get your green vegetables and liquor at the same time So it's a win-win situation Mm. Like it makes you want to eat your vegetables Mm-hmm
0: it's like that green is Yeah, very much out
2: No, yeah. No, not even with vodka in it Because you can't even taste the vodka It's like the green was like the green nugget With Some sugar in it <laughs> Sweet <laughs> A yeah. sweet and green nugget yeah. <laughs> You know what I, mean? sure. mm-hmm. yeah, I It doesn't even taste like it was any liquor in there I, yeah. I, I felt like I was Drinking Um Watered down Kool Aid, <laughs> you know what I'm like saying? Cucumber yeah, cucumber water. Yeah, sweet cucumber water. Yeah. That's exactly what it's giving, huh? No, yeah. oh, man. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad at all. Yeah. Not bad.
0: As well as the previous 8 we've tried. Yeah, We'll have to try to do a review of them and have a little chat
2: about the Masque. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. I'm with it. Minus the dog farting. It's, yeah. It's yeah.
0: Uh, so Gallifrey, thank you for joining us this week for Provisional Lieutenant to Linz to rule a tectonic. Yes. Thank you for having me. As always. Always a pleasure. Always. Um. Before you pop off in your blue box, I'm gonna make another cocktail. But for the time being, let's uh, let's let's have the audience pop back over to. Goodbye.
1: Welcome back, everybody.
0: Howdy. Just a reminder, you are still listening to Let's Talk About Treks." This Trex. is Let's Talk About Trek's. Your name is Earl Gray.
1: And your name is
0: Jack Dorino. That's true. And there is a pretty cool face-off happening. I do like I think I may have mentioned this already, but I do like it when we involve a whole bunch of different species. So yeah. like when we get to this cool like face-off scene where we got like Ferengi's and Orions and Romulan and Bi- it's kind of like they're working together. Like yeah. it was like they were working together early with the Romulan and the Ferengi. And then yeah. but then when we have like and they still kind of are because you have the romulans against the binars and the Ferengi mm-hmm. against the orions
1: <laughs> you know what i was noticing on my most recent watch through
0: no i don't know that you know that why don't you tell me
1: this this uh <laughs> female orion looks a lot or reminds me of Mariner Mariner, a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, she, I mean, has the attitude, and it, it, I don't know. It just seems like a lot of it reminds me of her. Yeah, Maybe they would get along really well.
0: She's also got a lot of visual similarity, especially the hair.
1: Yeah, the yeah. hair.
0: It's almost like it's Mariner <laughs> with green skin and a different voice.
1: <laughs> Maybe copied and pasted the uh, character design. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You know what else has some visual similarities. This this communications relay or whatever okay. you want to call it okay. is very si- similar to the shield array on the uh, Andorian moon in Return of the Jedi.
0: You're talking about the the square building with the with the satellite dish on top of it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's, it's even very right
1: down to the door and everything. It's very
0: distinctive. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was like the Andorian, like the the pajim um, mm. outpost. No. Okay. So on the break, I actually did go back and watch the um, that ending scene of mm-hmm. uh, Tuvix, which had the whole thing with ma'ach and yeah, he was the captain in that episode, and they commandeered his ship, which is that bird of prey now that's sitting there.
1: Oh, okay.
0: And helping out the silver ship. And the reason I call it the silver ship, by the mm-hmm. way, is because I turned on the audio descriptions, mm-hmm. and that's what the audio descriptions call Ooh. that ship. They call it the silver ship.
1: Oh, okay. So, oh, so like the, uh, uh, oh, I've never tried listening to that.
0: Oh, I love it. I, lo- I listen to it very, very often. It- not every episode but some episodes i like to hear what they say i like the i I meant to write it down i'll do it maybe next time um but the the way it describes Mm -hmm. the stinger at the front you know when the cerritos is flying around it's pretty cool it's kind of oh okay cool and the the voice i don't know if like you can change the voice like you know like you can change your alexa voice or your siri voice voice i don't know if you can change the voice of this thing but like the attitude with which (laughs) this episode was audio described was very interesting it was almost like a character unto itself
1: and do you have to have headphones so you can hear the descriptive voice in one ear and and not the other
0: no, I just listened to it open air.
1: Oh, okay. My neighbor describes it as yeah, in, in stereo the descriptive voice is in one ear and the you know, the rest of the audio dialogue is in the other ear. Oh. It's also, also my understanding is it a lot of times they're trying to describe things between the yes. dialogue.
0: Yeah, they don't interrupt the dialogue oh, okay. to, to to talk. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's always between the dialogue okay even so they leave space there's there there is like si- there are silent moments occasionally you know mm-hmm.
1: do you think mariner can understand what the binars are saying because her next response after everybody's yeah. talking everywhere it almost sounds directly like she's responding to them specifically she
0: was responding to them it was when the binar said something and she was like yeah totally
1: <laughs> yeah
0: right? and i don't know
1: oh okay
0: it seems like maybe she can yeah maybe everyone can i mean i don't know it seemed like everybody at the station at new axton mm -hmm. was understanding billups when he had the machine language squawking were they well the guy i mean well at least one guy did because there was only really one guy that we interacted with and billups squawked at him and he said yeah you're good Okay. As if he understood. But I was thinking that maybe that has something to do with the little Bluetooth earpiece that he had in his ear.
1: Oh, okay. Maybe
0: that translated for him.
1: Yeah, because Wayun could understand the Breen, but I don't think any okay. any of the well, I don't think the Breen ever talked to any of the Federation members directly, but I don't know if the Cardassians could understand him or not. Do you think they have a babel fish in their ear?
0: Potentially. I don't know what a Babel fish is.
1: <laughs> it's it's a, a Hitchhiker's Guide reference. You're, our, our fans will know what we're talking about. Okay. It's, just briefly, it's a literal fish that uh, feeds on brainwaves, and as a result, it excretes the translation of whatever language you're hearing.
0: Oh, it's a bio biotranslator.
1: Yeah, it's a biotranslator.
0: So, okay, I wonder <laughs> if it's related to the Dintix from Farscape. <laughs> Uh, oh you put a worm in your ear and a worm in your mouth
1: oh i i maybe it maybe it is that's maybe it comes from yeah. a similar planet
0: so you can put a worm in your ear you can put a worm in your mouth you can put a worm in your belly
1: yeah oh the trail worm
0: yeah
1: for some reason i was going with a xenomorph
0: okay so that you know this is a star trek podcast right yes sir oh okay i wasn't sure <laughs> Maah is interestingly able to uh, command order to the situation. Yeah. I mean, initially, Mariner's there to, you know, try to bring everything together. Yeah. They're operating as that, uh, you know, Kinemora Accords team. Yeah. But then even after Mariner gets mysteriously beamed away after making her big, impressive speech, mm-hmm. uh, Maah, his captain stuff takes over well <laughs> and he's yeah. you know pulls everybody together to sort of pull in one direction
1: yeah and it's interesting how both of them do have a unique ability to be able to command a room and get everybody's attention maybe that's what makes mariner maybe that's well you know shows that mariner will be a good captain you know yeah. as i a as a captain in red alert or whatever you want to call it, you've got to be able to pull a room together and keep people calm enough in order to do their job.
0: I think there's something to be said about having both the qualities of being interesting Mm -hmm. and being capable. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like what a a really good leader stands out and also can actually do the job, not just stand out.
1: Yeah. I like how also he does pick up he's already in line with what Mariner is, is doing and is okay with this. Even I'm not going to finish that portion of my sentence, but that he's okay with this and he's able to just kind of charge in and say, you know what, this girl, this lady, this woman has it right. This is what we need to do is work together to solve our common goal our common enemy. You know.
0: I often feel like Klingons don't have that disparity in the roles that their genders typically play.
1: Oh, okay. So, well, you're right. They don't seem to.
0: Yeah, it doesn't. It Like, because it's being written by humans, I think that sometimes we accidentally sort of stumble into that. hmm but I think, I, I think I've detected that they don't really place much on... They, like, they tend to place more on, you know, Honor, Strength, Power, Ability. Yeah. And maybe Honor should be last in that list. <laughs> <laughs> They're not all Wharf Scouts.
1: Yeah. I think that uh, you're right. I have noticed several times where they have female officers among them, and they've got just as much of a honorable role or position and they carry their own just like the other klingons on on their yeah. ships.
0: Yeah, Lursa clearly had her, uh, Lursa clearly led her house. Mhm. Um Betor was there with her all the time. Yeah. You know. Um Lorel, obviously there there's one. Um but I just get the sense that they don't I mean, I know we've seen largely males in the captain role for Klingon ships, Mm -hmm. but I haven't ever really you know what it is, is I don't think that I've detected much derision or lack of faith in the abilities of women from Klingon men. Yeah.
1: I mean, anytime you see like a whole group of them, like in various time, there's an episode of DS nine where they have to infiltrate Mm -hmm. the Klingon camp as, as Klingons. And they're all right there, parting along with each other and headbutting along with each other, and sure. uh, all of that, just as if they were just quote another guy or one of the guys, you know. So that is, yeah. I, I have noticed that, and I was, I guess I should have. Can I have some catch up with my words? I'm not sure how I want to say it. I should recant what i was saying about how the klingon is following just a woman and it didn't say just a woman but i kind it must have come across
0: no you said yeah you kind of imply no but i i think i get where you were coming from and because you were what what happened was you had one sentence that you were going to and you're like i shouldn't say that but like the (laughs) thought was still there so you sort of continued in that in that vein
1: Well, yeah, and I was going to go off into the, you know, the Klingon violentness and and assume that he's only, I was going to put the Klingon in the box just after I put the woman in a box and I shouldn't have put either in a box.
0: Yeah, yeah, nobody puts a baby in a corner either. See, we can both make references. The other one doesn't understand. <laughs> I,
1: I kind of understand that. I don't know what it means when it's even said in the movie, but that's from Dirty Dancing, isn't it? Mm, yes. Okay.
0: I hope that you can't really open a ship with your hands, like your bare hands, <laughs> even if you are a Klingon. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't speak much to, like, the uh, durability in space travel.
1: I don't think that we're expecting the ship to come down
0: oh I think maach knew that they would come down that's his ship don't forget oh okay he so, probably knows his people very well
1: so do you do you think this bird of prey is a Star Trek 4 bird of prey or
0: yes I think it's exactly that size oh yes, okay absolutely yep I think it's a braille class
1: <laughs> oh they oh I did not realize
0: that yeah there's a braille there's a Katinga... Mm. Wait, no, Katinga's a different one. Hold on, there's a Braille, there's a cavort That's one of them. Mm. I don't remember the rest of them, but I know Kavort's big and Braille is small.
1: Oh, okay. So it's like aircraft carriers, like the nuclear ones are are bigger than the diesel ones and stuff. Sure. Okay. I, just, I, I know this from looking up uh, pictures of the old uh, USS Enterprises Uh uh-huh and apparently the the world war two uss enterprise aircraft carrier or maybe world war one the diesel uss enterprise aircraft carrier was a lot smaller than the more recent uss enterprise aircraft carrier
0: yes the cvn which is why i was mildly annoyed by the change from the d to the e because the d represented a a larger size than the C, which represented a larger size than the B. And then from the E, we go all the way back to, like, C size.
1: Do we?
0: I mean, it's long, but it's not... It doesn't have... It's not the fat one. Right? So there's much (laughs) less space available in there. That's kind of more what I'm getting at.
1: Oh, okay. So it has fewer decks. I mean, the saucer... Yeah, it's
0: it's a smaller... It's a smaller ship. It's narrower.
1: Mm, Okay.
0: You know, because it's that... It's made for war not yeah. exploration i kind of want to go back to exploration i would like <laughs> to see the newer um i would like to see a new version of an exploratory ship
1: pretty soon we'll have the uh, enterprise g and certainly what would have been the olympic what was it an olympic class yeah no
0: the olympic was the pasteur.
1: yeah what was the a b c d yeah what was the f
0: Oh, I don't think that we know. I don't think it's been established in canon yet.
1: Oh, okay. I certainly they were kind of going there with the F, but they were obviously obviously that didn't last what but a day
0: after its launch. Oh yeah, so good point. I wonder how. I wonder what that ship was made for. The F. Yeah. I wonder if it was another exploratory ship. I mean, was there there wasn't really much war happening at the time. Right? like we had we had kind of gotten away from the dominion mm-hmm. we weren't having borg stuff happen yeah i don't know how Worf blew that thing
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but who's to say it could have been yeah. lost in an engineering accident or even a science accident or something like that mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily assume that oh, it, was, it was lost in battle just because it was Worf.
1: oh but as far as i it... assume that <laughs> yeah we shouldn't put Worf in a box either yeah well Worf did say that the e was not his fault
0: oh i thought it was the f that he lost he lost the e oh he lost the e oh okay
1: yeah shelby was on the f and that was destroyed during or a part of the board thing
0: oh right 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 that was the enterprise oh the one from star trek online right 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 now i'm all together (laughs) now i've got it all together yeah
1: who knows if any of that star trek online stuff happened apparently it won't because there's a lot going on with the f in online as far as my understanding
0: and then we bring it all together right towards the end of the episode we got we get the billups reveal billups it turns out was this bounty hunter the whole time yep and we plunder nick lucarno's little spot and find out that he's the maker of the silver ship mm-hmm. mariner wakes up in that minimalist hell and then meets <laughs> nick lucarno Thanks, i lucarno. was really hoping for a little bit more there is a preview scene that's out online
1: I don't dare watch. Of next watch it, episode,
0: yes. yeah, I won't tell you anything about it. But it mm-hmm. basically just continues that scene, yeah, right. Uh, that okay. that where Mariner meets Locarno.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I mean, there couldn't be too much of a spoiler in that, then, huh?
0: I mean, he explains. He sort of explains what's going on. Oh, okay. What, is, what his plan is. It's it's sort of a big reveal. Yeah. I
1: mean, I I gather that she probably knows of him, if not, has met him or no. I, I mean, it seems like they. Were... Yeah,
0: she knows him. If she knows Cito, she knows him.
1: You're right. They would have been at the academy yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Okay.
0: I mean, yeah, she would have known of him at the very least, but if mm-hmm. she was good friends with Cedo, she probably knew him to some extent, like at, at least in passing acquaintance. You know, like she probably saw yeah. him several times because, you know, they would be associated do you with Cedo? Do
1: you think she would have applied for Nova Squad and maybe gotten turned down?
0: I don't know. Is she a pilot? I don't think she's a pilot.
1: A lot of. Command officers do do a whole lot of piloting before they get up. Yes, and-
0: however, Nova Squad was elite pilots,
1: mm.
0: or Red Squad.
1: Nova Squad.
0: What's Red Squad? Red. Oh, that's qu- that's a uh, that's Rug. Um, that's what, Nog.
1: That's what Nog wanted to do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Got you. Oh, you know, I just realized that he wasn't talking about Nova all this time in my headcanon, He was talking about. The same squad squad.
2: yeah
0: yeah i thought i was thinking that they were the same thing i can't believe that this many years later it just connected that he was not talking about the same thing
1: well i think at some point i was probably thinking wondering if it was the same squad that uh, wesley was in but you were right they were elite pirate pirates pilots Mm -hmm. and the the squad that nog idolized were not just pilots they were a whole crew
0: well thank you for that (laughs) I like this episode a lot. I think it was pretty good. I am. Um, I'm going to give it an 8.5. 8.5. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm going to give it. Yeah.
1: It was an enjoyable episode. I was, you know, I mean, I have a hard time with half an hour episodes when they're to be continued. It's like just making an hour long then I'm going to go ahead with, I don't think I've given an episode a nine yet.
0: Sounds great. That is awesome. I don't know what the next episode is.
1: <laughs> well, I'm going to guess. Okay. I'm just going to throw it out there. Mm -hmm. the inner fight part two
0: okay i like it that's a good idea
1: i
2: mean
0: maybe maybe it'll be the outer fight
1: Ooh, ooh. that's a good suggestion (laughs) thank you what would the outer fight be
0: well the inner fight would be what is the what was the inner fight oh the inner fight was the fight inside mariner Mm -hmm. is there a parallel elsewhere there is an inner fight that's internal to the klingon empire that happened spanning from the first episode to this episode. Okay. Cause you know, usually like the theme runs through multiple yeah, uh, multiple subplots in the story.
1: Okay. There's apparently some sort of inner fight going on for all of these crews because I mean, like the Ferengi suggested- This
0: is true, mm. go ahead for Like the
1: Ferengi suggested, oh, where are they? I, you know, I've been waiting for them and, or mm. it's about, oh no, I remember what they said. It, it's about time and they're apparently yes. were, this was their vibe for taking over the ship and this is how correct
0: i'm glad you mentioned that because i think that i've detected that that's what happened with all of these ships all of these ships had a traitor aboard i didn't catch the binar one but you tr- drew our attention to it when we did that episode hmm. because you said oh, the... why were these two separated
1: yeah oh you're right that might have been the traitor
0: yep so I think that every one of these had a traitor yeah. in their midst. We definitely, the Romulans did, for sure the Klingons did. We know the Ferengi did, and we already know the Binar did.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Maybe the Cardassians are the ones that didn't have a traitor. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe they were all just and true.
1: Here's a question.
0: Aren't Here's aren't the f- yes. What? Yes. It's actually a statement but okay.
1: What are the binars to the Federation?
0: Uh, that's a good question. I don't know if they're members of the Federation or not.
1: Okay. I mean, it seems like they would be, I mean, they did do the enhancements on the, on the big D. Yeah,
0: they did. I mean, I, I feel like they were working more in a consultant role. Yeah. However.
1: Yeah. Okay. So a consultant to the pseudo military working, but they're still a united federation member like i can be a united yeah, states but, citizen. yeah but okay so
0: there are foreign countries that have consultants who are united states citizens
1: oh okay they're certainly uh federation allies
0: yes that is that is true as well yeah, and, and they're
1: certainly advanced enough to join the federation when they're ready to apply
0: yeah, I mean, the Binars, I mean, some people, not everybody wants to join the Federation. The Federation is yeah. not for everybody. Yeah. You know, like maybe the Federation is beneath the Binars. <laughs> maybe their civilization feels that's so advanced that, you know, they can help out, but they aren't going to really get anything from the interaction. They're not going to really Ooh. be able to contribute much of anything beyond yeah their computational expertise.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Like if they're not interested in, maybe they, I mean, I guess they have to be interested in exploring if they have ships, yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. Probably, yeah. yeah. I mean that's what Mariner pointed out. We all came out to space for a reason.
0: Yes, that is a good point. Yeah. Alright.
1: Well, do you have anything else? No, we can
0: we can close the show now.
1: Alright. Well, thank you for joining us this week. We hope you enjoyed yes. our show. Don't forget so to uh dead check us out on our patreon website uh www.patreon.com slash let's talk about treks
0: don't forget the www
1: i said that right
0: i was talking to them oh
1: <laughs> i'm sure it a lot of populate until next time please yes. stay positive yeah mm-hmm. dream big and you'll hear from us again soon wait,
0: wait support the continued making of this show movie through patreon.com Let's Talk About Trex is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at LetstTalkAboutTracks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as And would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kako's Reaper. Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.